Tim, and I'm one of the leaders uh, here at the Vine Church. That is for the podcast, uh, if you didn't want to know. Uh, so as Jamie's already said, um, we are starting a, a new mini-series throughout October looking at the lives of a prophet. And we're going to go through some different prophets. We're going to go through Haggai, uh, Zephaniah, Gad, and Miriam. Just to give you up, just to give you a heads up as well, on the last week, uh, last Sunday this month, is Jamie and Vicky are going to do a tag team on Miriam. So that's going to be really exciting to see what they, they bring as well. Um, we're going to be exploring some so-called four minor prophets. I never got why years ago they decided to call them minor prophets. I never really understood that really. But for some reason, they split them up to minor and major. Uh, but for my take on it, these guys and ladies are nowhere near minor in God's eyes. And what they do for God is not minor. Today, we're going to be exploring and learning about prophets who have real lives. They might have lived thousands of years ago, but they're not dissimilar to us. See, the thing is, I think in today's time, we all want straight line lives. When I mean straight line lives, I mean is that we want everything to be perfect. We want to know what we get. We want to be able to plan for life. We don't want any hiccups in life. We are working towards, in our own lives, trying to get that perfect straight line life. But when we explore these prophets, we come to a conclusion their lives were pretty much bent and crooked. They didn't have that straight line. Everything wasn't so much perfect. And for these prophets, maybe God was calling them to live not a straight line life, but a bent and crooked life. And maybe God calls us to live similar. So this morning, we're going to be looking at Haggai. So if you have a book, if you have a book, if you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Haggai. I'll give you lots of time to find that book because it's quite hard to find. That's the beauty of our faith. See, I wonder if I was to ask everyone in this room, on a scale of 1 to 10, of how much you know about Haggai, I reckon the majority of people would say less than 5, or nothing, or 0. Yes, you would. I reckon most people don't. But by the end of the day, you're going to be off the scale. You're going to be off the scale. If I've, if I've done well, you're off the scale. And just to let you know as well, before I get started is actually I planned this series, and we will speak on Haggai, probably about three months ago. And it's amazing how God works things. And you're going to see throughout today, this is very applicable to where we're at in the church. But I did not plan this, this is God. So, Haggai. For centuries, the Hebrew prophets condemned Israel for its injustice and its idolatry. The prophets would speak of a day when the Babylonians, the great empire Babylon, would take over Jerusalem and they would destroy Jerusalem. And basically for anyone who lives in Jerusalem, your life will be destroyed. The prophets, they spoke of this day because they lived in idolatry and and they were unjust. But the prophets also spoke of a day that would be a day of hope where God will rebuild Jerusalem and its temple. And Jerusalem will be a place where the presence of God dwells. So, 
in 587 BC. This is exactly what happened. The Babylonians, they came into Jerusalem. They destroyed the walls and the city of Jerusalem. And they basically kicked the, well, kicked the people out of Jerusalem or killed them. Or they went into exile in 587 BC. Seventy years later, we find ourselves at the book of Haggai. And the Babylonian Empire in Jerusalem has collapsed. And the natives, the people that were exiled, they've started to come back to Jerusalem and rebuild their lives. In many ways, this is not dissimilar to many uh, people's lives today. Today, millions of people around the world leave their homes because of floods, because of hurricanes, because of natural disasters because of famine, because of war. They leave their villages and towns and cities, and they go and camp somewhere else. And then when they come back to their homes, they have to rebuild their whole life. They've lost everything. And this is very much of the context of what is going on here in Haggai. That they, they've left their home because of a war, because the Babylonians have come in and basically destroyed the temple, destroyed their homes, and destroyed the city walls. They've left, but 70 years go past, and they can come back in to Jerusalem, but they're going to have to start from the beginning of life. They've got nothing. Can you imagine what that is life, like? Imagine you have nothing. Everything you've built up, your homes. But also, you've got nothing sentimentally in terms of you haven't got pictures with your family. You've lost it all. You come with what you're wearing. So, the Israelites, they come back into Israel. And if it's the Israelites, this is a great day. Because they are thinking the future's great, the future's bright. We're back in Jerusalem, we can start rebuilding our lives again. Onwards and upwards, to the next level. Goodbye the Babylonian Empire. Because today, we are back into Jerusalem, Al. We're back into Jerusalem. But this is far from the situation Haggai prophesies about. This is all happening. They've started to rebuild their lives. And Haggai speaks a prophecy, the book of Haggai, into this situation. And it's far from what he thinks is happening. And he speaks of four things. Their priorities, their expectations, their faithfulness, and their future. He speaks to the people about their priorities. He speaks to the people about their expectations, about their faithfulness and the future. See, the ringing theme of this book of Haggai is a call to build the house of the Lord. So if you've got to Haggai, turn with me to Haggai chapter 1, chapter 1, and we're going to read it together. Are you there? Whoever's there. But it should be on the screen as well. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. It is time for you yourselves to be living. Sorry, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvest little. You eat but never have enough. You drink and never have your fill. You put clothes on, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. That's horrible, isn't it, to have a purse with holes in it? 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring down the timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains in ruins, while each of you is busy in your own houses. See, this is the priorities one. This is what's going on here. So they've entered to, they've come back into Jerusalem after being kicked out of Jerusalem. They've come back and they've decided to think, what are we going to do first? Well, we're going to start building our houses. And who can blame them? For I would be very similar. If I had to leave my house because of like a hurricane or something, and then I got, I, I was allowed back into it, I would say the first thing I'm going to do is start to build my house. Probably not physically myself. You know, that would be a pretty rubbish house if I'm honest. Who can blame them? And uh, I see this happening everywhere. Because this year we went to West Point, which is our annual camp as a church. And it's great because I get to go there the day before. And then I get to help put some tents. But at the same time, I get to be there when people arrive. And I love watching when people arrive. By the way, this is no one in our church, of course. But this is what happens. People arrive and the doors open wide. Usually, if they're a family, their kids run away, usually to the toilet. And the next thing the parents say is, let's put up the tent. And there's other people putting up their tents. Let's put up our tent. And once we put up our tent, we'll go on to someone else's tent. You know, we are Christians. We will help other people. But we're going to put up our tent first because we need our tent up. And we probably all do it. Other churches, of course, do don't do this. <laughs> but this is what is going on here. Haggai is saying, where is your priorities? This is being true. You've come back into Jerusalem after exile. I've saved you and brought you back home, and you're focused on building your nice paneled, paneled houses. Where is your priority? Haggai asked this question. Are your homes really more important than your allegiance to God? Are your homes really more important than your allegiance to God? And this is all going on whilst the land is unproductive. You've planted much, but you harvest little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in your purse with holes in it. Basically, Haggai is saying everything you put your hands to, nothing's coming to it. This is saying, in many ways, there is a direct link between looking after the temple, which is the house of God in the context of Haggai, which is the church, than a direct link between the success of the church and the success of your own personal life. So he's saying, because you have forgotten about rebuilding the temple, you're focused on your own homes, therefore, you, uh, the things you're doing is not bringing much fruit or harvest. There is a direct link. And therefore, you could say there is a direct link in our lives that the things we do for the church could potentially be a blessing to our, even our own lives. The second one is expectation, their expectations. And this is one month afterwards. Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. I'm going to pre-warn you. 
just to let you know. There is some ridiculous words in this one. Just put it out there. I turned to Becky and said, how do you say this word? And she said, I don't know. There she had four of you left. So Haggai chapter 2, verse 3, verse 9. Who is left? I got taught that if you sound confident, no one can disagree. Because does anyone really know what it sounds like? No. Who is, who is of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How long does it, how, how does it look to you now? Does it seem to you nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel. Is that how you pronounce it? Zerubbabel. Declares the Lord. Be, so, be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak. Josadak. The high priest. Be strong, all people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. And my spirit remains on you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And what is desired by all nations will come. I will fill their houses with glory, says the Lord. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. What is going on here? Well, so basically what's happened is Haggai has spoken to the people and said, you know, you focus too much on your own homes and not on the temple. That is one of the reasons why the land is unproductive and why you're, po- you, you're not filling up your pockets and your purses and things. And then he, so the people amazingly say, okay, we'll focus on the temple. Haggai's prophetic word to the people works. They listen and they start to rebuild the temple. And about a month onwards, they look at it and say, this isn't that great, is it? It looks pretty rubbish. Because... 70 years ago, when the temple fell into pieces, it was when Solomon built the temple. It lasted 500 years. It was the best ever temple. It was impressive to look at, and they loved their temple. They were proud of their temple, the Israelites in Jerusalem. So that had fallen, and it was 70 years since that point. So therefore, there were some people who had already seen the previous temple. And they were looking at it and saying, this new temple... They're only a month into the building process, by the way. It's rubbish. It's not as good as the, for, as the former temple. That's what they were saying. So they've listened to Haggai's words, and now they're saying, well, we'll start rebuilding a temple, and it is not that great. To say their expectations have been shattered is an understatement. They, said to, they felt to God that you've called us to build this new temple, but it's not even better. This is a month afterwards. I wonder if you've ever said that to God. God, you've called me to do this. You've called me to work in this job. It doesn't feel better. You've called me to this ministry. It doesn't feel better. You've called me to do this in life. You've called me to, you know, to be loving to that person on the street, you know, who's handing out the big issues. You know, nothing's going on, God. But God's response from Haggai says, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. God is calling them to raise their expectation. God is calling us to raise our expectation. God is calling you in your life to raise your expectation of what he can do. You might not be able to see it at the moment, but God can do more. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. Remember not the former things, 
nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It's time to raise our expectations, raise our faith level, because there will be more glory. That's what he says. He says, he says um, I will fill it with my glory. And what does glory mean? A weight. Because God is saying, I will put my weight behind you. I'm going to put my weight behind you, if you like, to build this temple, which is going to be better. And the greatest thing is, God is more stronger and is more powerful weight than anything else in this world. He's more powerful than your boss that tells you maybe you're doing a rubbish job. You know, he's more powerful than your finances. He's more powerful than anything, anything else. See, if he puts his weight behind something, we can expect something to happen. See, in our church and life, we have the weight behind us. We have the glory of God. And for the people like us, we should raise our expectations. Next one, their faithfulness. You know, some of the hardest things to exercise in the Christian faith is to trust God and stay faithful. Some of the hardest things to exercise in the Christian faith. And Haggai, in, uh, in chapter 3, this is, he reminds them, sorry, the end of chapter 2, I think, actually, beginning of chapter 3. He reminds them uh, this. He says, if someone touches a dead body, you become, you become impure. But if you were going to touch some fruit, would you pass on that impurity? Would that fruit become impure. And this is actually a Leviticus law. Basically, if you touch a dead body, it becomes impure. You become impure. You touch a fruit, that fruit becomes impure, so you can't eat the fruit now. And so he knew he was speaking to these priests at that time, and they said, yes, we know our Levitical law, and we know that the fruit will be impure, so if we eat it, we will be impure. And he uses this, in many ways, as a parable for the people. He says this, If you are impure and then you go to build the house, you are passing on your impurity. So basically saying that if you are doing things that are unjust, that is not right, and you're using the same hands to build a temple, you're building with impure hands. See, Haggai is challenging the people that only true repentance and faithfulness will lead to the kingdom of God coming and blessing. See, he's saying in a sense that the future of Israel lays in your hands. God is asking the people to be faithful and to use their faithfulness in building the kingdom. See, Haggai gave the same challenge that Moses did, and he referenced this, to the wilderness generation. It will be your obedience That will lead to blessing and success, not your unfaithfulness, which could lead to ruin. God is calling the people to be faithful with their lives. Because he says that faithfulness leads to blessing and success. And there's no better day to start on being faithful to God than today. Fourth one, their future. Haggai 2, chapter 2, verse 20. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time in the 24th day of the month. Tell 
Thank you very much. Um, governor of Judea, that I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Almighty, I will take you, my son of Zerubbabel, and son of Shalatuel. Why couldn't God just say John and Tom and, you know, Tim? Tim, three letters, declares the Lord. I'm sure there's a lot of meaning in their names. I will make you like my signet ring, for I've chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. So it's important to understand in this passage who is Zerubbabel. That's his name from now on, by the way. Um, It's important to understand who he is. So he is the governor of Jerusalem as they come back into Israel. And uh, they reckon about 50,000 people came back into Israel at that time after the temple and their houses were destroyed. And he looked around him, and all the nations around him hated Israel. They were hostile towards Israel. So everyone opposed everything that was going on in Jerusalem. So for him, he looks around and thinks, how is this going to happen, God? How are you going to prosper us? How are you going to bless us? Everyone around me is hostile towards us. You know, we've got 50,000 people. The people around them got millions. So this is a very bleak situation uh, for the Israelites. And I wonder if sometimes in our lives we do similar things. We look around us and we think, what can you do, God? We look around our nation and think, how are you going to do it, God? We look around our town, 160,000 people. How are you going to transform our town? We look around our workplaces and think, how are you going to do it, God? We look at the temple and think, how are you going to do it? How are you going to grow your church? And this is the point Haggai gives to the people. I'm going to shake heavens and earth. I will overturn royal thrones, shatter the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. He is saying he will overthrow evil in the world. And that is the future of God. We look at this nation, we look at our town, and we look at our workplaces, and we look even sometimes potentially at our families, and we think there's so much evil in our lives. How are you going to do it? And God is saying, I will do it. Don't worry about that. I will do it. I'm not going to tell you the time scale. It could be when I return, this is Jesus. But I will do it, and I will kill every nation because I am God. It's amazing. I'm, I don't know if you've ever seen those American signs uh, outside churches. They get, you know, you read them sometimes on the internet, some wacky American signs outside churches. And I read one once, and it said this, God has resigned. It was meant to read, but actually, God reigns. But it says, our God resigned. And they missed out the spelling, but it says, our God reigns. But I think in sometimes our lives, we think similar. Our God has resigned. Where is God? Has he given up his seat? Has he given up his throne? But actually, God reigns. He is the greatest king. He's the most powerful king. He can do anything. And I really believe that. I believe that for healing. I believe that for buildings. I believe that for my personal life. I believe God can do anything. This morning I woke up and in bed at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I was saying to God, God, there's so many things I feel like in life that are just, what is happening, God? 
like, I don't feel like there's any progress. You know, and God, I want you to break through, through in these situations. And I was saying things about the church and saying things about building, saying things about my personal life, my family life. And I'm saying, these are battles at the moment. And I felt God just say, I'm on my throne. Jim, I'm still on my throne. It's just not the time yet. You, you know, you, it, it's still going to happen. And Haggai says this, right? He says, I have chosen you and I give you a signet ring. See, for many people today, we wear signet rings in an expression of fashion or maybe a loved one gave it to us. Thousands of years ago, a signet ring was to mark a document, but also to express the crest of a family. See, this is really important because what is going on here is that as God says, I'm giving uh, Zabal a, a signet ring, he's saying, I have chosen you and you will be the line of David which Jesus will come through. He's reinstating that Jesus will come from Jerusalem and will come from the line of David. And he says to us today, I have chosen you and I give you the ring of my family. So I don't know if you get what's going on here. So basically the people, they have been kicked out by the Babylonians out of Jerusalem. Uh, everything is destroyed. Seventy years later, they come back. They're too much focused on their houses where God is saying, focus on the temple. You focus on the temple, there'll be blessing in your homes. The temple, the blessing. The temple, the blessing. The temple, the blessing. You focus on the church, you will be blessed in your homes and in your families. There's a direct link. So what do the people do? They say, okay, we're going to build the temple. A month later, they're like, God, look at it. 500, you know, Solomon's temple was better. And God's saying, raise your expectation. It's only been a month. Raise your expectation. A month goes past and they start to think about, God says to them, but remain faithful. So don't, don't do anything unjust. Remain faithful. And then God reminds them of the future. He's going to kill us. He's going to destroy the kingdoms, the evil around them. See, this is amazing. And actually, God does similar to in our life. You know, I really believe as we focus and we, 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 um, we focus on building the temple, the church of God, God blesses our families. God blesses our homes. I really believe that. And then he calls us to build the temple. We're called to raise our faith levels, raise our expectations again, raise what God can do when he can take something so little and make it massive. I really believe it. I really do. Uh, I'm just filled with faith today for what God can do in us and in our lives. So he calls us to redirect our priorities, relevel our expectations, recommit our hearts on being faithful, and refocus our minds on the future. See, you might have been going into a new season of life. You have a new job, a new family member, a new ministry, a new experience, or even a new building. And God will say, redirect your priorities, relevel your expectations, recommit your hearts to being faithful, and refocus your mind on the future. There is always a go. This should always direct our priorities. Should always level expectations, commit our hearts to God, and focus our minds on what God is going to do. See, when God speaks prophetically through Haggai to Israel, He's speaking prophetically to us as well. This book is not just a minor book to that generation. I believe this book is a, is a book that is to our generation and generations to come. It's for every generation. This minor book shapes history. It shaped Jerusalem. It shaped the rebuilding of the temple. It shaped it that the line of Jesus would come through this, um, this land. Today, two and a half thousand years 
later, our lives will be shaped by these words. And I want to land with this. The book ends with this truth. And it was a bright future in the hanging. And it was a choice to the Haggai generation, but it's a choice to us. Will you, in many ways, remain faithful before God? Haggai prophetically calls the people to build the house of the Lord. Here in the UK, we invest our time and resources in building our own homes. We make our homes homes. We make them great places to live. We make memories in our homes. And we place, we build our families. And this is no different to the house of God, the church. A place to invest our time and resources. A place to make homes. A place to make memories. And a place to build the family. And our choices really matter. But there's a direct link between faithfulness and obedience and the blessing and the goodness of God. And I just want to encourage you and and challenge you. Let's be a Haggai generation. And people that were looked at their priorities. People that raised their expectation, their faithfulness. People that were faithful to God. And also people that looked to the future. See, this is the book of Haggai. This is the man of Haggai. Prophetically spoke into that generation and that time. Father God, I just want to thank you for Haggai. I want to thank you where he maybe prophetically spoke into a nation. Maybe they didn't want to hear it. And Father God, I pray that you would help us, help me to build the house of the Lord. Help us to prioritize. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to Raise our expectation of what you can do. Raise our faith level. For the church, but also for our lives. What you can do in our families. When people get saved. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remain faithful to you. And also look to the future. And look to that one day, you are going to destroy all the evil in this world. And Father God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, that you help us over the next few weeks to carry on learning about these topics and what it means for us today. Lord, they're apparently called minor, but may we're minor in your eyes. Thank you, Lord God.